You're listening to the Forrester Technopolitics Podcast, inspiring commentary and intelligent insight from experts in the thick of it. Hi, everyone. This is Mike Walter from Forrester Research. I'm here with Frank Gillette. Frank is a VP and principal analyst with Forrester's BT Futures team. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk to Frank about Windows 8. Cool. What it means. Uh, what to do with it, <laughs> well, what it means to Microsoft. What comes after. What comes after, yeah. yeah. So um, first question, though, is mm. do you like the Rolling Stones? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very simple question. Yes, uh, but I'm, I'm not big into music, so it's just like you know part of my background noise, so to speak. Okay, well, uh, you might remember in August 24th, 1995, Mm. That was Windows 95. Right. Was released. Start me up. Start me up. The Rolling Stones song. And uh, there were rumors that Bill Gates paid the Rolling Stones $8 million, $10 million to use that song. Wow. In reality, it, it was more like $3 million. Oh, uh, dang. But that was the biggest selling Windows of all time. Mm, really? Windows 7? Come on. That sold more than that. You talking about fast to start or something? I don't know, but it was big, right? It was it was the biggest up to that date. And the Rolling Stones not in all were time. big, too. Absolutely. And they still are. So what do you think the music's going to be at the Windows 8 launch? That is what we want to know from you. <laughs> 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 and you thought we wanted to know technical oh, details and, and business things. I am not the wrong one for the musical references. All right. Well, we'll, we'll tell us. Tell us about Windows 8 and and what it is and why we should care. Well, why don't I why don't I um, give you just a tidbit about um, the this how I think about stuff because I'm the wrong guy who to ask about say how to plan for Windows 8 deployment. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Ben Gray and David Johnson who are great at that. So I'm on the business technology futures team. Yep. And as the name implies, we think about sort of big picture, long term futures. Um, but I think of a, a what we do in two dimensions. One is the futures dimension. That is, we try to think the furthest out over the horizon um, and anticipate sort of the trends that a lot of us will be watching or thinking about uh, down the road. But beyond that, we um, also think about the uh, implications of things across topics, mm-hmm. how um, things might unexpectedly uh, sort of change or work together. So as an example, you think about consumerization um, and how that has really brought together consumer markets and uh, enterprise technology markets in unexpected ways. So those are the kind of things that we try to kind of explore the repercussions of, uh, as well as sort of predicting the future, which um, uh, only partly captures what we do. So too long an intro, but I just wanted to give that context, because when we talk about Windows 8, what I really want to talk about is not just Windows 8, but the future of Windows and Microsoft and client operating systems. Mm Well, is Windows, would you say that Windows 8 is responding to this trend, or is it creating a new trend? Um, where we are right now, I, th- I believe Microsoft is responding to several trends um, with Windows 8, more firmly into that realm. And so when we talk about Windows 8, we also have to uh, talk about and include Windows Phone 7 today and Windows Phone 8, which is forthcoming, um, because they're part of the total picture, right? So Windows 8 and uh, Windows Phone 8 are intended to sort of address or bring Microsoft into that sort of highly multi-touch enabled world of mobile devices and to bring PCs and Windows PCs into that world as well. Um, It's also... Uh, responding to sort of the rise of consumerization, which frankly I would I would go all the way back to the BlackBerry 
um, as an earlier example of that, mm-hmm. um, because a lot of individuals got Blackberries on their own and then brought them into work. Uh, and then the enterprise adopted them and sort of turned the flow around and they got pushed out from the office. And what you see now is iPhone is doing the same thing. iPad is doing the same thing. And so certainly Microsoft wants to ride that wave of, hey, people want to bring in the technology they use at home. Um, and they may be hoping to sort of change the dynamic of the standard Windows PC upgrade cycle um, with this. It's too early to tell if they'll succeed at that. And why do you think that they, uh, why do you think that they are responding uh, to... And you said Apple, essentially. Is that their biggest competitive threat? Um, in a lot of ways, yes. It's not the only competitive threat. But if you, if you look at the, the marketplace, um, the other sort of PC operating system with any traction, Mac OS, is growing faster than the market overall, but it's growing incrementally. So, you know, it takes a, you know, a, marge, a, a fraction of a point of share um, every quarter or something like that, um, and it's growing at um, sort of shipments of Macs are growing uh, at the same time that the PC Windows PC market is flat or slightly declining in shipments depending on how the economy's going. But it wasn't going to transform things. But if you turn the lens sideways and say, okay, instead of thinking just about the PC market or just about the mobile device market, let's think about the market of all devices. So we did a survey in which we asked um, information workers, people who use uh, a smart computing device for work an hour or more per day. So when I say smart, I mean mobile, so I, you know, tablet or smartphone or a PC. When you ask those folks, as we did in the survey last fall, so Q4 uh, 2011, in 17 countries worldwide, 9,900 respondents. We said, how many devices do you use for work? And uh, the answer was about two and a half devices per person. For work. For work. So this is including their personal devices. And and Frank, how do you use half a device? (laughs) Among the 9,900 workers, there were 25,000 devices they listed using for work. Basically, um, you know, 60% of the devices in their inventory of gadgets they use for work or for home were dual-use devices. Right. They would use them to do both personal and work tasks. Um, but here's the point. We then asked them, what's the operating system on these devices that you're using for work? And, um, you know, you got the usual smorgasbord of answers, but the, the Microsoft part of the answer that was very interesting was only 63% of respondents reported using a Microsoft operating system on the device they used, on a device they used for work. Wow, that, that is scary if you're Microsoft. It is. And now, actually, let me clarify that statement. It was, the respondents were responding, of the devices they used for work, it was 63% of devices, sorry, not respondents. 63% of devices. And Apple had something like 15% share of the devices used for work, and then Android next, and then BlackBerry next, and then, you know, you had Symbian and a bunch of other stuff mixed in there. Plus some don't knows. I mean, there's always people who like don't know what they're talking about in the surveys. So you you take the the number with a grain of salt, but you say, okay, hmm, we used to think of Microsoft as having 95, 98% share of PC shipments, and even higher than that in the workplace, because most most workplaces didn't use any Macs at all, and you only thought about PCs, personal computers. But now you've got all these mobile devices that people use a lot. And so when you expand the aperture and you don't ask the IT people, but you ask instead the workers, what are you actually using to do your job? Well, wow, turns a, out it's a big shift. That's significant. Right. So that, that in a nutshell, is 
a big chunk of what uh, Microsoft's responding to. Now, let's let's um, make sure we just acknowledge they've they've fixed the train wreck they had between XP and Vista, right? Right. In the in the sense that the last launch was 2009. Here we are, three years later. Boom! They have another launch. So they're sort of back onto the cadence that they'd kind of like to be on every three years. But what's really interesting is how their PC competitors, which now includes Google with a very nascent Chrome OS, those guys are revving it more often. Apple is now revving its client operating system annually. Right. On the same schedule, you know, on the same annual upgrade cycle that they're doing the mobile device operating system. You know, it's system. pretty easier, it's much easier for Apple to do that since they control the hardware. Cor um, yes. I, I would argue that they have less of a challenge. It's it's easier in the sense that they don't have to manage a big ecosystem. Although I'll point out the place where they can't manage the ecosystem and where you still see the same hiccups is printer drivers. Mm -hmm. And they they try to do the 80-20 well, thing. Frank, no one prints anymore. Yeah, right. First of all... Somebody forgot to tell me that. <laughs> I have all these gadgets, but man, the biggest and best display on earth, the one with the instant response and the great readability, is paper. Okay. <laughs> and it, I can, it's also infinite screen size. And it's, it's renewable. Just, it's amazing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, re, it's, it's very recyclable and renewable. Um, yeah, glass and aluminum are. Some of the other components are a little tougher in a standard display. I think Google has learned the hard way uh, through their Android that it's hard to, to, to release an operating system on multiple devices as well. Uh, there's been yeah. some hiccups that they have, and that's why they've more recently said that the, the Nexus mm -hmm. platform, mm -hmm. that's going to be their, their gold standard platform. Yes. Um, so do you think Microsoft, uh, at least with Windows 8, what are the key features of it? I mean, I know it's completely touch-enabled. I know that it, it's, uh, it's borrowing the Metro, in, uh, the Metro look and feel from WinPhone 7. Is I there anything else significant? Oh, well, there's, there's a bunch of changes going on uh, in that operating system. Um, the uh, let's review them because this is actually one of the things that I think Microsoft deserves a lot of credit for doing, um, but that it also uh, explains why the transition to Windows 8 will be different and will take longer to happen and why there's more uncertainty about the outcome. So um, let's just review sort of the, the, the changes going on in this upgrade. Um, the first one is that uh, Microsoft has taken the stance that, that tablets, these things larger than smartphones, um, that uh, don't have a keyboard physically attached, um, they believe those are fundamentally personal computers and not phones. And so what they've done is rather than take their phone operating system and stretch it up to the tablet, which is effectively what Apple did, right? Apple just took the kernel of Mac OS X, um, put it in the iPhone, but with a completely different user experience uh, on top, so it doesn't look anything like Mac OS. Uh, and then they, they took that to the tablet. Microsoft's gone the opposite way. They say, no, a tablet is a personal computer operating system, and but we need to adapt to the tablet experience. So the Metro interface is a reimagining of the Windows user experience for a touch-first tablet context. But then they've gone further and asserted that, yes, and that should also be the primary interface and experience you have in a conventional laptop or sitting at a desk using a desktop PC. 
And that's the really interesting bet. I, I'm skeptical of that bet. I, I find it jarring when I'm playing around with um, the test tablet that uh, I have with Windows 8 Preview on it to drop from Metro into the classic Windows interface, which they call desktop. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. I would argue that desktop's actually the legacy environment. You don't catch any Microsoft people saying that. But um, I would argue that someday it's going to be all Metro, no legacy. Do you think businesses will have any reason to move from Windows 7 to 8? Or why would they? I think the only immediate reason that they're going to, that, that'll be easy and obvious to focus on is the tablet experience. If you want a Microsoft-controlled tablet device, that's compelling um, because it Which no one does. No one wants a Windows experience on a tablet? Well, uh, look at the iPad sales. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, that, I think that the proper response, including for Microsoft, would be they haven't had a choice before. And now we're going to give them a choice. But I think what you're saying is consumers may not jump on it right away. Well, at the same time, Android is coming out with a tablet. Mm -hmm. So they're Amazon. Amazon. Which is not an Android tablet, despite being based on an Android operating system. This is, there's a lot of competition yeah. for tablets. Well, look, so, so, let's, so we've been a little slow here. We got into some of the cool stuff. All right. So one, um, new user interface, Metro, specifically designed uh, for a tablet environment, but also for PC. And then this underlying bet that that should also be the dominant PC user interface. And the Metro interface, by the way, at mm. least in my opinion, is a beautiful interface. When I when I saw that on Windows Phone Seven, it's been very well received. Mm. They had no momentum. It's not enough to. to it's been well received on the phone. I, um, I feel like the the reviews on the PC tablet experience have been a little bit mixed, mm. um, but it's it's still early. So so let, let's let's enumerate. All right. So we have a new user experience. With that new user experience comes a completely new programming model, right? right. Uh, so we're using HTML five and JavaScript as the primary way to write software, rather than the old uh, Win32 uh, APIs and all those languages. .NET. Right. Yeah. So, .NET's behind it. Um, HTML, JavaScript on the front. Right. And so you have to juggle all of that. Yeah. But, I mean, I think their intent, and you, know, you may have a different perspective on this that will help me out here, I think their intent is that if you want to, you can do everything in JavaScript and HTML5. Right. You know, a lightweight front-end app with a lot of back on the server and, you know, that's it. Now, you know, if you want to get into heavy client-side coding, then yes, you drop into the, the deeper stuff. But um, uh, I guess the, the important thing here is you can't port the old Win32 apps into Metro. You have to rewrite the interface. You might be able to under, reuse some of the underlying business logic, but you're looking at a deep rewrite. Right, but they still will run on the platform. Yeah, but they won't run in the Metro experience. They, they won't. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right, so, the, so, so Metro user interface, new programming language and environment, um, new software distribution model. Right? Using a store? Yes, but you got to use the store, mm -hmm. although enterprise IT can sideload. But if it's a Metro app, you have to use the store, and then you're into the sandbox. Right, so um, big sort of rethink of software distribution, and the and the, and and part of that is the price points, right? It, the Windows eight, the, sorry, the Windows software ecosystem had kind of gone moribund, right? And and frankly, it wasn't a lot different on the Mac, 
Um, you know, there were some core exciting software, but it was hard to find stuff. Um, it was it was expensive, so you thought a lot about dropping your 100 200 300 600 bucks if you're out with the Adobe suite or something like that or the Office suite. Um, and the App Store model that Apple pioneered first on the, on the iPhone and then expanded to the iPad tried to dramatically change the price points. I mean, Apple themselves dramatically cut the software, the price of the software that they distributed. Um, so I believe iLife, you know, pretty sophisticated package, I think it was 99 bucks. They took out, they, they discontinued several of the bits of software, kept three, dropped the price of each one of them to 19.99, and did not sell them as a bundle anymore. I didn't hear any, I haven't heard anything. About? That would make me believe that IT shops would, would, would want to convert to to Windows 8. I mean, you kind of mentioned that, well, if they want a Windows tablet, is that really all it has going for it uh, in terms of uh, enterprise IT upgrade? I mean, a lot of people skipped Vista mm -hmm. for other reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, so but seven's pretty solid. So I wish I could do a better job of t channeling David Johnson and Ben Gray. Um, I understand from them that they believe there are some compelling reasons from a security and manageability point of view to upgrade to Windows 8. Um, outside of the user experience. But what I think you're referring to is the, um, the fact that IT doesn't like doing these Windows upgrades, that they feel big and complicated, that they have to do all these validations and checks, and, and they're just getting through the Windows 7 wave, kind of. Um, and, you know, ick, here we go again. So there's the normal aversion to an upgrade and resistance to doing the trickle feed upgrade where you know you do new implementations on the new operating system and then you have to juggle I've got old and new until you know it all sort of gets through the pipe and you know by the time you get through oops there's another one coming because frankly the refresh cycle depending on whether you're looking at laptops or desktops it's two to four even five years now let me ask you for a prediction hmm. about Microsoft okay and um, now I was you're not going to put me on the spot or anything right uh, absolutely <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot go for it uh, so uh, you know, with, with all the smartphones and the tablets mm -hmm. uh, that figure you gave, 63% of people are using uh, two and a half different devices. Uh, with Windows operating systems, so the 63%, yep. With Windows. 63% of the devices, not the people. Microsoft has to win in mobile. They have to be a significant player in mobile and in the tablet. Right now, they aren't. Correct. So for them to continue to be relevant, stay three to five years from now? Mm. Do, so number one, do you believe that, yes, they have to be have a significant presence in smartphones and tablets to mm -hmm. be relevant? Yeah. And number two, how much time do you think they have to, to, to become relevant? I mean, it's a very chaotic market right now. I mean, mm -hmm. Android was nowhere, iPhone mm -hmm. was nowhere. So we know that people can come from zero right. to, to, to some level of dom dominance. Yes. Uh, but do you believe that, that, that Microsoft can do that, and, and what's the window? Microsoft will not be dominant again. Um, Microsoft will be relevant. I think that they're going to drop to 50% or less of the operating systems used for work, but I think they'll still be the plurality or majority player. Of course, I'm, saying, I'm betting that they won't be the majority player. They'll still be the largest player, and they'll still be very important. Um, I think they are, are going to play second fiddle in mobile devices for some time to come. Um, on my team, uh, we will do sizing and forecasts of topics that sort of haven't really gelled yet in a way that let's say our, 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 our colleagues in the forecast view product can sort of nail it down. And so what we did is we did a global forecast of tablet shipments or sales, excuse me, uh, 
um, the combined consumer and commercial, right? Because um, often we're doing one or the other, but not both. So we put both together to help people understand. We believe that there'll be 375 million tablets sold by 20, in 2016, and there'll be 750 million tablets in use in 2016. Mm. Um, in doing that forecast, we predict that Microsoft will reach a distant number two status in 2016 in tablets, that they will surpass the Google Android folks, but the, in fact that the most significant uh, third place player will be what we're calling proprietary Android. That is the, the Android code taken, but uh, not part of the Google ecosystem and so therefore not branded Android. And so Amazon and Barnes and Noble are the best examples today of that. Um, why do you think Microsoft will be that number two? It seems to me that tablet and smartphones are kind of tied together in a way. Mm. And in, in, in order for them to be number two in tablet, I, I just feel like wouldn't they have to be number two in smartphones? Or, or do you think those two things are disconnected? I think they're disconnected precisely because Microsoft disconnected them. Mm. Um, so from an IT point of view, what we're facing is a market where Microsoft will continue to be the leader in PCs, particularly in enterprise PCs. Um, Apple's coming strong in, in premium PCs and in consumer PCs. Um, premium meaning high price. They sort of own the segment above a thousand bucks. So in tablets, Apple will be number one with the iPad. And in phones, Android will probably be the number one volume player. And what? Apple the number one premium smartphone player. Why do you think that Apple will be number one in, in uh, tablet, in the iPad? Uh, aren't we going to see what happened with the phone, where Android exceeded uh, iPhone shipments? Nope. Uh, I think, I think um, Google's on a declining trajectory with Android. The OEMs have gotten frustrated um, with the tablet ecosystem in Android and are switching their bets to Windows 8. Wow. So when we go out and talk to the OEMs and talk to the execs behind the scenes, when we um, talk to the system integrators and the professional services folks who are sort of making bets, they're pivoting away from Android on tablets. From a, from a user standpoint, it seems like it'd be very confusing uh, because now you're going to have these different UIs. You're going to have Metro on your tablet. You're going to have uh, Android on your phone. Uh, you know, potentially uh, a different desktop. Yes. It, it seems like it's going to be very chaotic and confusing for users and, that, and yes. that they might gravitate towards some brand loyalty. So, uh, so part of what we believe looking at this is that the mobile market will not play out as the PC market did. There will not be uh, a winner-take-all scenario. What we're looking at is a heterogeneous environment for personal devices. And it's going to vary significantly by class of device. That's the, our core message based on the trends and technologies we see. So underlying that, so you look at those numbers, but you have to look at the fact that, sure, there, there will be people who want a unified experience, and they'll get it. So there will be a class of people who manage to get Microsoft on, on sort of all three experiences. And I'll just note for the purposes of this conversation that we've been setting aside the consumer-only experiences like the TV set-top box where Microsoft has a really interesting play with Xbox that right. James McQuivy wrote about. Um, and we're also setting aside the, the sort of nascent area of automobile systems where Microsoft uh, and Android are trying to play. 
and Microsoft's gotten out early. So I'll just acknowledge that we're setting those aside and talking more about the stuff for work. And interestingly, I think both of those will eventually become relevant to work, but it's really early there. So if we just stick to smartphones, tablets, and uh, PCs, you're going to have the folks who do an end-to-end Microsoft ecosystem. You're going to have, there's already, I think, a decent cadre of customers who've decided they want to be Apple end-to-end or that they want to be Apple on mobile and Windows on PC. Um, and, And Apple, if you notice, has supported that. And Microsoft has too, because Microsoft has begun putting Office apps like OneNote on iOS big time. Right. And I think they will put the full Office suite on iPad by early next year. And I also think they'll do it before they do the Metro version of Office. So Office 2013 is coming out, but it's the desktop version. Wow, Frank, it sounds like uh, you're saying that Microsoft is being market-driven rather than Windows-driven. The Office folks are, yes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, the, what, what I think is going on with Android is I think Android is uh, the Android smartphone is an impulse buy and a price buy. And I think um, that there's a lot of people picking up Androids who, Android smartphones, who haven't really thought through the ecosystem experience yet, who, who don't sort of think about and appreciate the synergies of having um, the same operating system or consistent online services, what I call personal cloud services, behind their devices. So I think it's going to be very interesting to watch how the, the Android ecosystem plays out. Um, if I'm wrong and there's and people fixate fast on I need to have the same device and the same set of online services on all of them, then we'll see a more interesting sort of battle among the players. But I'm betting on human nature, which is people don't think through decisions strategically like you and I do, mm-hmm. or try to, right? We're not, <laughs> we're, we're not perfect, but we aspire to be uh, thoughtful that way. Um, I think a lot of people are buying um, Androids on impulse and price and, well, not, and not thinking through, oh, I really need a consistent experience here. And, and notice that Google's put Chrome OS out there for, as a PC device, um, but until they really get it singing on, on tablets, which I don't think they will, and on PCs, Chrome OS is really early, the Android smartphone kind of stands alone. Well, you know what's interesting? You brought up the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, and that reminds me of the app ecosystem because on 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 tablets and and smartphones it's all about apps mm-hmm. and uh, well it's 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 very much about apps right there's an app for this there's an app for that and iPhone and Android have huge app stores mm-hmm. and that's one area that Microsoft is is sorely lacking in in, in terms of those type of apps those tablet mobile apps mm-hmm. um, so they're kind of handicapped by that as well I right. mean maybe they're uh, you know, making HTML and JavaScript sort of the development language, maybe that's a, an attempt to open it up to a, a broader uh, number of developers. In fact, Palm OS tried to do that uh, as well. Well, what became, we- yeah, WebOS. WebOS, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, WebOS. So um, I think in embracing HTML5 and JavaScript, they are trying to get uh, um, the developers who work on their stuff today. Two, two interesting data points. Two years ago, I, I had an ex-Microsoft uh, business person tell me that um, Microsoft had lots of developers, but it was the wrong two-thirds of developers. <laughs> it wasn't the ones building all the new cool mobile and web stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I asked um, uh, a couple of MIT graduates uh, who were you know, iterating a startup in Silicon Valley. They graduated uh, this spring and are already on sort of <laughs> the third iteration of their idea. Um, 
I said, do you see any Windows devices among the developers that you meet and that you work with? And they said, no. No. It just flat out, no. Yeah. Well, what are, the, what, are, what are people using to code? Mac and Linux. And wh what was interesting is I said, well, you know, and, and they said the only time they see it is when people fire up IE, uh, Internet Explorer, to just quickly make sure, oh, is the code working right? But that they tend not to be very good at sort of trying the different versions of IE. And, and so that in there was, in a nutshell, was one of the challenges that, that Microsoft faces. Um, the, I had another thought here. The, I feel like in, in, in getting to, oh, here it is. It's gonna take time for them to rev that Metro uh, ecosystem. So one of the reasons that I think Windows 8 will start slowly is that despite the compelling user interface of Windows 8, there won't be enough there to make it gel, and we're gonna be missing this synergy between the tablet PC ecosystem and the phone ecosystem. So, you know, that's why in the tablet forecast, the global tablet forecast, we said it will take until 2014 for Windows 8 tablets to sort of kick into gear shipments-wise, because first people will try them and, and they'll kind of find it confusing and, and uh, they'll find that they can't find all the software they want, there's not a Metro version of Office, it'll be just like, eh. So it needs to mature and age. Now, there's one other important detail here, a confusing point around Windows 8 that we haven't touched on. What's that? So the fourth big shift in Windows 8 is the fact that they're adding a new microprocessor architecture. So not only do you face this question of, oh, you know, does my app run in Metro or does it run in desktop? It, you first have to check your processor architecture. Did I buy an x86-based PC or tablet, which is what they've been for, you know, a decade or more, to, well, since the beginning. Well, who has to check that? I'm not following, because that's like in the hardware. No one, like, sees that. What, what's the impact of having uh, the different... So, processor. so if you have an ARM-based Windows device, yep. it'll be it won't be called Windows 8. It's called Windows RT. Ah, and the desktop environment cannot run any legacy apps other than Office. Ah, I see. When you buy a Windows RT device, and there's a Microsoft Surface version, and there will be from third-party OEMs, you get Office included with it. You don't buy it separately but it's the only thing that runs in desktop. And um, it lacks key enterprise features like domain join. So the Windows RT device with the ARM processor is thinner and lower power, and it's meant to try and go head to head with the iPad. Mm -hmm. The x86 tablets are heavier may not have as long a battery life depending on how well Intel does with the chips that get but put in But it can in run there. all the legacy software. Correct. Yeah. Um, and you have to keep straight which one you have. And so from, uh, and from an IT point of view, you know, they have to think about, well, these RT devices are different from eight devices. What's my strategy gonna be? The RT devices are more like iPads. They can't do domain join. And they don't have, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm not gonna remember the list of features, but they don't have everything that I expect on the Windows 8 devices. Manageability is not the same. So it seems to me that Windows 8 is about 50% catch-up to mm -hmm. Apple and, and others, mm -hmm. and about 50% setting the stage 
uh, for their you know for their future. Uh, but it doesn't seem game changing in itself. Like people oh. are going to line up to. Uh, it is game changing, and there will be a cadre of you know. There's always you know a group of early adopters, enthusiasts, or whatever who are going to line up. So there will be excitement around yep. this. The mainstream, I believe, will take a wait and see attitude. And and it's not just IT. I mean, our consumer analyst Sarah Rotman Epps um, has looked at this, and she believes that the consumers are going to find it very confusing that when they go to choose a Windows 8 device that they have to think about the difference between RT with ARM and 8 with x86 and that they have to pay attention to the difference um, of x86 software, or sorry, not x86, excuse me, desktop software versus Metro software. Um, and the you can buy uh, desktop apps through the new Windows Store, but you... Um, and you can only buy Metro apps through the store. But you can continue to get desktop apps the traditional ways you have in a box, on a disk, um, downloaded. Um, so the distribution methods will continue to be different. So it'll be a con it's we think it'll be confusing for consumers. Um, and, uh, and it'll just it'll cause a slowdown. It, look, we've been talking a lot of, about the issues. I want to say something that's really important here, which is I think Microsoft deserves kudos for making such dramatic changes. I mean, it's recognition that they need to. Yeah. But a lot of organizations, even when faced with the need to make change, don't try. Right. And here's an organization faced with a huge install base, a very complicated ecosystem, a lot of OEMs to drag along, and they're really doing very bold things. It was not a trivial decision to make their own PC as they are with the Windows Surface device, or Microsoft Surface, I guess it is. Um, that's a big risk uh, on their part. Jumping to the Metro interface, big risk. Um, you know, separating tablet and phone, I think it's a big risk. Yeah. So I think they deserve a lot of credit for making bold, difficult decisions. Um, and it's not that I think they've necessarily made bad decisions. I mean, I disagree, I think, with some of them if I, if I had to make them myself based on what I know. Um, but I think it's going to take a lot more time to play out than Microsoft would like. And so I think that's what's missing from some of the public dialogue is an acknowledgement that this will take a lot of time. Thank you, Frank Gillette. Thank you. You've been listening to the Forrester Technopolitics Podcast. Read more about the technology fuel disruption and join the discussion at blogs.forrester.com.